If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to turn with me to the beginning of your Bible. We'll be in Genesis chapter 1, and we will begin in verse 26 in just a little bit. Luke, chapter, yeah, Luke, here I am. I'm going back. It's like going back to Egypt. No, we're, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26. I'm sorry, I've, I've said Luke I don't know how many times at the beginning of my sermons. But uh, today we are going to look at something that is absolutely foundational uh, for the Christian and in the Christian life. We're going to look at the glorious truth that mankind is created in the image of God. And uh, I know that talking about such things, you may think, well, that's something that we learned about in, in Sunday school when we were kids. Um, you, you might think about it and say, well, that's, that's going to be dry, it's going to be boring, it's going to be just an a, a abstract theological truth. And it's my hope that, uh, that it's not presented that way because it does affect every aspect of the Christian life. It, it affects the way that we interact with our culture, with many hot-button topics that are going on right now. And we're only going to look at three verses today, although we'll spend probably most of our time in the first one. So if you found Genesis chapter 1 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's Word. We'll pick up in verse 26. This is in the creation account, and it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today is that man bears God's image. Man bears God's image. Now, I want to pause as soon as I get started, and I just want to stop for a second, and I want you to hear what I'm saying and, and not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that men bear the image of God as opposed to women. I'm saying that man is in mankind, male and female, humanity, we bear the image of God. And, and I, I'm justified in using that language because verse 27 says that God made man in his image. And then it says that God made male and female. Male and female, humankind, mankind bears God's image. <clears throat> now with that out of the way, look back at verse 26. This is the sixth day of creation. God's created everything. Ex nihilo is, is out of nothing. There, there was once a time when, when God was alone in the cosmos. In fact, there was no cosmos for him to be alone in. It was just God. There, there were no planets. There was no, uh, there, there was no earth. There was no stars. There were no, no uh, uh, meteorites. No, no nothing. It was just God. And in the, in the absence of anything, God spoke. And through the sheer force of his created will, he spoke and everything came into existence. That is tremendous power. Now, where we pick up, God has created the earth, the plants, the sea creatures, the birds of the sky, and, and so forth. But when we get to verse 26, up to this point, it's been pretty fast in the way that, that it talks about God creating all that there is. But in verse 26, the brakes are put on, and, and there's, an, there's an emphasis, there's a focus on, it draws attention to the fact that God does something special in the creation of man. You know, you, you say, when, when do you save the best? Save it for last, right? Mankind is the crown of God's creation. And since that's the case, really, women are the jewel of that crown since they were created after men. But I want you to look back at verse 26. And notice carefully the pronouns that are used. God said, let us 
make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, those are plural pronouns. That means there's more than one. So, so I want you to, to think about this. What, who, who is God talking to? He said that the plural pronouns are being used. So people have looked at this and they've studied it and said, well, you know, God is having a heavenly council where he's talking to the angels. And he's saying, hey, let's make man in our image. The problem with that, one, well, there are many problems, but one of the main problems is that the creation is something that only God can do. You say, well, that's not the case because I know carpenters, for instance, who can make all kinds of stuff. No, we can make things, but we can't create things. Because the, the difference is, and it seems like a, an arbitrary distinction, but it's not if you think about it, making things is, is when you manipulate something that's already there. So a carpenter can take wood and make a chair, but a carpenter cr- cannot create the tree that the chair is made from. Okay, so God has made things, but he's also created things. And, and if you'll notice, it, it, both those terms are used in the creation of mankind. It says that let us make man in our image, and then it goes on to say that God created Man, different words that are used there. <clears throat> and so that is something that only God can do. But, but others say, well, no, that's not it. It's a, it's a plurality of majesty. And what that means is you've probably heard the, the quote that's been attributed to Queen Victoria, we are not amused. You, you probably have heard that. And, and so some people sometimes, uh, especially like over in England where they have kings and queens and so forth, sometimes those, those monarchs would use a plurality of majesty. That they would speak in the plural, but of themselves, although there's only one. The thing is, the ancient Near Eastern monarchs, the, the kings of the East, they didn't talk about themselves that way. They said, I did this. I did that. And so it, it would have been foreign to the ancient Near Eastern readers and hearers of this text for that, for that to be used. And on top of that, there's no evidence that that is the way it's being used. The text itself, if you'll notice what it says, it shows that it is God alone who's in view. When the us and the our show up in verse 27 in the third person, it's God who's in view. God is speaking. He is, there, there's a heavenly council, but it's within the Trinity. Now, the word translated as God, in the original language, is the word Elohim. You may have heard that word before. Elohim is a plural word. It is a plural noun. And so the pronouns are going to match. This is a, an indication that there is a, a plurality of persons within the Godhead. Now, I know that's a big, big phrase. It means there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is a trinity. There's one God and three persons in that Godhead. Now, what does it mean that God made man in the image of God and in his likeness? What does it mean? What that means is, certainly, it does not mean that God... Is, has a physical body that looks like ours. Jesus said in John chapter 4 that God is spirit. So he does not have a body like we have. These are terms that show that there's a similarity between us and God. There's conformity between our nature and God's nature. Said so another way, there are some attributes of God that you can share in and some things you cannot. You're not just like God. Now that's common sense, right? But... It's not as common as you might think. I, this past week, I saw a tweet by a, a well-known, actually it was on Facebook, it wasn't tweet, a tweet, um, by a well-known, very famous preacher, so-called, Stephen Furtick. And if you listen to him, stop, because he's one of the worst, he, he's awful. 
I once heard him in a, in a sermon that he was delivering say, and I quote, I am God Almighty. Now, if you hear somebody say that, you need to be hitting the door. But here's what he said, and I quote, and this is from a Facebook post, April 24th, so this past week. Here's what he said, quote, If God is love, you are loved. If God is capable, you are capable. If God is forgiving, you are forgiven. You are, you are made in the image of God, so what He is, you are. Did you catch that last line? What God is, you are. No, you ain't. You are not just like God. God's a lot of things that I'm not. He's a lot of things that you're not. God is all-powerful. You think you're all-powerful? You can't even keep your tire from going flat. He is just. He is holy. He is sinless. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's a whole host of things that we're not. Just because we are made in His image does not mean that we are exactly like Him. There are certain things that we can share in, certain attributes of His that, that, that we can take part in, and certain things we cannot. Those things that we can share in constitute the image of God and man. And notice that God did not create any of the animals in His image. Now, we are part of the creation. A tomato plant is part of the creation. A monkey, a fish, a gerbil, they're all part of creation, just like us. Dirt, part of God's creation. But God did not bestow His image on a gerbil. He did not bestow His image on a tomato plant. So we are linked to create the rest of creation, but we are separate from it. There's a dignity that we have that the animals and the plants and so forth do not have. And I've never understood why people, secular people, are so anxious to jump on this bandwagon and say, yeah, I descended, I had a common descendant from a chimpanzee. Listen, if you teach your kids, as, as it happens in schools, if you teach your kids that, that you're nothing but a, an animal, don't be surprised when they act like it. Now, now, getting back to the text, we are something different. We are set apart. And it's because of the image of God. It's not something inherent in us. It's because God has bestowed His image on us. Now, if you look at verse 26, it uses the language of dominion. God is sovereign. We are not. But as His representatives on earth, we share in some of that authority, and we have authority to, to rule and, and be a steward in the earth. We should do it wisely. We should do it for His glory. Now, how does this affect us today? So I think up to this point, we probably all say, yep, that's right. Um, I'm on board. So how does this affect us today? Well, first, it shows us that human life is special and valuable. Human life is special and valuable. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6 says that whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for, because, in the image of God, he made man. In other words, the image of God gives life, human life, meaning and value. Murder is wrong because it violates, it destroys someone who is made in the image of God. Now, let's apply that. This is why abortion is sinful and wrong. It destroys an innocent life that's made in the image of God. Now, oftentimes, people who advocate abortion will say things like this. They'll say, well... 
the child that would be born, they're going to have a terrible quality of life. If they're born to poor parents, if they're born to an overcrowded home, if, if whatever it is, if they're born to somebody who doesn't want them, they're going to have a bad quality of life, therefore, let's kill them. Now, they don't say it in those terms, but that's what they say. They, they speak about the quality of life. That's the wrong standard. The issue is not the quality of life, but it's the value of life. Now, the Jews in the death camps had a horrible existence. Like many of you, I've read Corey Timboom's The Hiding Place. I recently uh, finished a, a book that was written by a Holocaust survivor, Victor Frankl, called Man's Search for Meaning. I, I've read uh, Frederick Douglass's uh, autobiography. I, I, I've made some progress in the, the, the huge set called The Gulag Archipelago by Schultz and and it's about his time in uh, Soviet forced labor camps. Listen, they all lived in terrible life situations. They were mistreated, they were abused, they were tortured, they were made to live in squalor, they were starved, terrible things. That does not give them, uh, that does not give a person a reason to kill them. Why? Because the issue is not about the quality of life they have, but the value that their life has. It, well, I, I, think, I, think we're, I think you understand where I'm coming from. Now, let's take it a step further. Because God says murder is wrong. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Murdering with the hands is wrong, and I think we'd all say yes to that. But Jesus says not just the hands that murder, it's, it's the heart as well. Because hatred in your heart is, is murder with the hands in seed form. And one of the fruits of that hatred is the way that we speak to people sometimes. Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, don't, don't say to one another, you fool. And the issue there is, is not so much the word, but the attitude behind it of, of dismissal, of devaluing somebody that's made in the image of God. And, and I, I recently saw a post from a satirical person called the church uh, curmudgeon. And he said, remember, you are made in the image of God. And so is the other jerk you're arguing with. <laughs> now that is something, I mean, we, we laugh at that, but listen, there's, there's truth in it. Because you are arguing with somebody who is made in the image of God, same as you are. And it doesn't matter what their, what their age is, what their, uh, what their gender is, what their national origin is, what sin they may be involved in. They are made in the image of God. And therefore, they deserve respect. They deserve to be treated with dignity. James chapter 3, verse 9 says, speaking of the tongue, says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who, are, who have been made in the likeness of God. And then he goes on to say, These things ought not be. You shouldn't be blessing God one day and then going out and cursing those who are made in His image another. It's wrong. Now, now, I'm not saying that if, if somebody's involved in something the Bible says don't do, we, shouldn't affirm, we should not affirm that. But we should treat everybody with respect. Now, I've spent more time here than, than maybe what I, what I should, but, but you'll see, you see this affects every, every, every aspect of life. It's not just some abstract theological truth. Now, the next couple of things we're just going to have time to touch on but the first, if you look at verse 27, 
mankind was created, we did not evolve. Look at verse 27 again. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, I mentioned this before, but when you see an idea or a word that's repeated in Scripture, especially when it's pretty close to that that same word or idea, uh, you need to pay attention. Your ears need to perk up. You need to hone in on what's being said because there's an emphasis there. And if you look at verse uh, 27, three times in one verse, it says, God created man. And two times in the same verse, it says that man is created in God's image. You think maybe the Bible's trying to tell you something? We didn't come, we don't share a common ancestor with a monkey. We are created by special creative act of God, and we are created in God's image. You are a special creation. You, you didn't just come about because, because of some fortuitous accident with primordial sludge. That's not how you came about. You came about because God created you in His image. And if you look at the end of verse 27, men and women equally share in God's image. We are equal before God. We equally bear His image. Now before we move on to verse 28, I just want to point out at the end of verse 27... Some that, that all of humanity throughout all human history until the last couple of years has recognized. And that is that there are two genders. There are two sexes, male and female. I, I did a search this week. How many genders are there? You know what Google said? It, it went from two all the way to 81. You got you to gotta get pretty creative to get up to 81. There are two. There's male and female. Jesus himself affirmed this in Matthew 19, 4. He said, and he answered, speaking of Jesus, and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Now, when this discussion gets brought up, a lot of people want to speak of people who have congenital abnormalities. And they say, oh, but what about people who, who have... Uh, maybe both uh, types of organs or maybe ambiguous ones. Listen, to say that God created male and female does not mean those people do not exist. Yes, people have abnormalities. But the, the exception does not invalidate the rule. If I were to ask each of you, how many, how many arms do humans have? Or how many fingers or toes do humans have? You'd say, well, they have... Two arms, they have ten fingers, ten toes. Yet there are some times because of abnormalities when somebody is born with one arm, for instance. Or maybe no arms. Or maybe they have more than ten fingers or toes or less. That, that is an abnormality. It doesn't create a whole new class of people. It is an abnormality of what's already there. The, the abnormality does not invalidate the rule. There there are certain things that are true about humans. God has made male and female. Now because of this creation, uh, creative act, if you look at verse 28, we can fulfill his charge to be fruitful and multiply. From the beginning, it's been God's plan for one man and one woman to marry, produce offspring. There are no extra sex types or anything else. There's what's produced by a man and what's produced by a woman. There are no other things that are produced. And listen, men and women 
boys and girls, are created in the image of God. And that means that you are, and that means that your neighbor is, and that means that your enemy is. Again, we're not, we're not the product of, of, of a happy accident many, many years ago. We're not evolved. We are created. You aren't an accident. God made you with a purpose. You don't make something in your workshop or, or, or wherever it is for no purpose. You have a reason for everything that you make. Same thing with God. He has a reason for making you. And you are made in His image. And you are made intentionally. Now, no doubt, the image of God has been marred. It has been distorted because of sin. It's been affected because of sin. But you remember, James chapter 3 that I just read a minute ago, talks about the way that we speak to people because they are made in God's image. It didn't get obliterated whenever sin entered the picture. It got affected, but it didn't go away. And because of that, all human life is precious and valuable. We talk in in religious circles about the sanctity of human life. It is set apart. It's different than all the rest of creation. And one of the outcomes of that, one of the implications of that, is the way that we interact with one another is affected because we are made in the image of God and so is the person with whom we're speaking. And you need to remember that whenever you're speaking to one another, whenever you're speaking with people who you disagree with, and it could be that even as I'm, even, even as I'm saying this, you know that there's been somebody maybe even this week that you've not been respectful to. It may be that you need to repent of that. It may be that you need to apologize to somebody. It may be that you need to take down a, a post that you made on social media. Again, your view may be right, but the way that you said it may not be right. And it could be that even as I talk about that, you know that your sin has contributed to this distortion of the image of God. You know that, that, that you are not living the way that you should. You're not doing the things that you should be doing. You've, you've left undone things that you should have done. The Bible calls that sin, and that sin separates us from God. But the Bible says that if we will repent of our sin and, and turn to Christ in faith, He will save us. And if you've never done that, I encourage you in the strongest terms possible to do it today. And I want you to stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around in the quiet of this time, I want you to think about those people that maybe you don't like, those people that you disagree with, those people that you argue with and realize that they bear the image of God just the same as you do. And that affects the way, should affect the way that you treat them, the way that you talk to them. Now again, if if they're involved in something that God says don't do, you don't affirm that. But you can be loving and truthful at the same time.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you made your, your, your truth so plain and so obvious that if we don't see it, it's because we're closing our eyes and turning away. Thank you that you've made us a little lower than the angels, that you've set us over creation to care for it, to steward it, God, we thank you that we have a dignity and a worth that doesn't come from us, but it comes from bearing your image. And I ask that you'd help us all to remember that that person that we interact with is an image bearer as well. And help us act and respond and talk to them uh, in light of that. And God, if there's somebody who's here me today that's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would uh, draw them to yourself so they can be made anew. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.